0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. So we've been in a great series called Summer on the Mount, where we'll be looking at the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of humanity by Jesus. It's his longest recorded sermon, a sermon on the mount. And today I want to talk to you about the subject, a very important subject, I know that the Lord's going to help us in this area. And the title is Overcoming Worry. Oh, we ready. Give us the punchline. What is it? Overcoming Worry. I'm going to pick up in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. It'll be on the screen. You can also follow along in the app in your notes. It's a very helpful tool. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking to the multitudes who have gathered He says this starting in verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about your life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And look what he does in verse 26. He says, look at. Everybody say, look at. Say it like you mean it. Say, look at. He says, look at the birds. Tweet, tweet. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all these worries add a single moment to your life? He continues and says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. I love flowers and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing Yet Solomon, he refers back, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why, this is kind of one of those questions that hits between the eyes, do you have so little faith? Overcoming worry. Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. I, I I love listening to preaching. I don't I don't know if you do. Hopefully you do. Not so much. I love listening to preaching. I do. I I can listen to different styles of preaching. I can listen to different personalities. I, I just love listening to preaching. I really do. It just something about it. I just, I love it. I've heard a lot of great sermons before. Have y'all heard some good sermons before? Okay, good. I've heard some great sermons. I remember the first time I ever heard Pastor Mike preach back in 2007, the summer of 2007. I was, I can tell you right where I was in the annex, in the front building here on our Highland campus. I was amazed by how good he was at communicating. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, he's just like smooth like butter. His transitions are just impeccable. His illustrations. And I was just, I was just amazed. Man, this guy is gifted. And I, I love listening to people like Jensen Franklin. I love T.D. Jakes. I love listening to a guy named Craig Rochelle. I I, I you just whoever, just about. I'm a simple guy. I, I'm I'm good listening to him, but I'm telling you, can you imagine listening to a sermon that was preached by Jesus? Introducing our guest speaker for the day. He hails from Nazareth, the Galilean Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. I mean, that would be phenomenal. And Jesus speaks with such authority and grace and truth. And really, the Sermon on the Mount is around 2,000 words. So he was even great with length. It was a short-winded preacher. How many of y'all like short-winded preachers? Y'all looking at your watch saying, yeah, by the way, hurry up, David. He was short and to the point that he was Great with illustrations and parables, and he was able to pierce the heart. And it's right at a little over a hundred verses in total. And as I was reading this and and looking at it this week, I was honestly, I was thinking, man, you got 2,000 words, a little over a hundred verses, and he spends so much of his time talking about the subject of worry. Of all the things he could have talked about, he says, I need to take a handful of verses and words here to make sure to talk about this subject. And you say, well, why does he talk about the subject? I'll tell you why. Because worry was a problem in his day, and worry is a problem in our day. Isn't that encouraging? In fact, I'm gonna give you some other encouraging stats. Y'all ready for this? Americans, this is research. It's on the internet. You can hold me to it. Americans battle with worry more than any other people group in the world. Most of us in here are Americans, so congratulations, everyone. We're taking home the gold right now. The most affluent and wealthy, one of the most fluent and wealthy people group in all the world, we battle with worry so much. In fact, Barna Research showed that 60% of adults say that they battle with worry and anxiety daily. This is a real problem, and I love that we serve a God who understands real problems, but he approaches them with practicality, but also with grace. Jesus wasn't preaching this and picking up stones at the same time and saying, hey, you better get your act right. I'm going to start casting these things. Jesus always throws grace before he comes with truth. And Jesus meets us right where we are. But I, I want to encourage you today, because many of us in this place, we think worry is just part of my life. It's just like a little pet that we have adopted. And we just pet it and feed it every single day. Little Fifi. Just taking care of little Fifi. And listen, I, I promise, I'm not in any sense, I, w- I want you to hear my heart. Because I've battled with this, I'm not in any sense making light of this subject. People are plagued with this. People are in bondage to this. But I've come today prayerfully by the power of the Holy Ghost to breathe some faith in this place that God does not want us to be overcome by worry, but by his spirit that we can overcome worry. Now, the challenge that we have is it's so common and it's so just prevalent all around that we can just find ourselves just in cruise control, in the lane of worry, every single day. You see that Tesla has these vehicles now where you can actually have them come pick you up wherever you are. Talk about some curbside pickup right there. That come pick you up. And too often, every single day of our lives, we're just being picked up by the same worry that met us the day before. And this picture came to me yesterday. I believe it's from the Lord. The enemy is so deceitful that he wants one leg to be in the past in, in shame. Just shame about my past, what I've done. And then the other leg in the future worried about what is out of my control. One in the past in shame, one in the future in worry, and meanwhile, we're missing the present gift of today. Because if you miss the present, you'll miss your purpose. But our God came on this earth 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus who preached this sermon, and he came to set people free. He came not just to set your soul free, your spirit free, but also your mind free. And worry is an indicator, my friend. It resolves nothing, but it reveals a lot. And it reveals to me, God, this is something that's important to me that feels out of my control. But Lord, I've yet to release it in your hands. I've yet to trust you with it. And God is saying, hey, I want you to experience freedom and peace and joy like you never have before. Hear me, church. Ascension, hear me. Denim, hear me. God doesn't want us just scratching and clawing our way through life. Oh, here I go again. Just trying to make it through another day. Listen, you're going to have some days like that, but every day doesn't have to be like that. I think we need to have a little bit more faith-filled days. Come on, clap your hands if you're with me this morning. A little bit more days of expectation and belief and hope and restoration. And my God's going to show up. He's going to do something. He's going to perform. Yeah, there might be a lot of things to worry about. Just start making your own list right now. How about finances? Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be able to retire? Maybe when I'm 125, I'll retire. What about my loved ones? What about my my spouse? What about this? What about that? And I'm telling you, I'm really creative with this stuff. I don't know if you have the gift of creativity with worry like I do, but I can take something that seems like just maybe a little bit of possibility and it turns to something. It's just like, wow, where did I go with this? It's bigger than ever before, but I want to meet each day instead of with worry. I want to meet the day with expectation of what God's going to do that day. Proverbs says this. Check this out on the screen. This is fantastic. Look at this verse, Proverbs 12, 25. This is what what worry does. Worry weighs a person down, and an encouraging word cheers a person up. What does worry do? Worry will impact, hear me, your mind, your body, your spirit, and your emotions. It will have an impact, a weight, on every aspect of your life. But a cheerful word, oh, I like being around cheerful people. Oh, man, you get somebody who comes in, they they just filled with faith, filled with courage. I'm like, come over here. Come sit down at my table. I need you right here in my booth with me. Because a cheerful word has a way of bringing us up. And I want you to know before we move on that God can help you and me overcome in this area. You say, oh, it's too big. It's too big. My grandpappy, he was a warrior. My mama, she's a warrior. My friends, they're warriors. Well, you don't have to be. I'm gonna say it again because about 10 of you got it and the rest of you were thinking, I don't like this guy. You don't have to be because if God's word is true, then it's true. It's either true or it's not true. You You don't know me, David. I know I don't, but God knows you. And he knows every facet about you, every specific detail about you. He knows my weaknesses and your weaknesses, my strengths and your strengths. And he is able to weave in by his spirit every single thing that I need. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse, I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody say he's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with the temptation we will always make room for escape that you may be able to bear it. The first thing is this, is that God understands that the things that you and I deal with in this scripture, he's showing this, he's showing us that we're, we all have similar battles. You're not alone, but he says, I can make room for escape. So how do we overcome worry? The first thing that we have to do is we have to look around, look around. You say, what are you talking about, David? go back to verse 26. Jesus says this, when worry hits you, look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest or store for food in the, food in the barns. The Heavenly Father, they feed them. Look down in verse 28, and while worry about your clothing, says it again, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow, they don't work or make their clothing. What is Jesus doing? Look at everybody, look at, everybody. Jesus is saying, hey, when worry comes and hits you in the face, out of nowhere, you wake up, you're not anticipating it, but bam, it happens. One word said throughout your day, and boom, worry hits you. Jesus says, I want you to lift your head up, and I want you to look around. Because what we have a tendency to do, and maybe I'm just preaching to myself, but when worry hits me, I get like a microscope on that thing. And I start analyzing it even more. And Jesus is saying, I want you to put the microscope away and get the telescope out. And start zooming out a little bit and look around you. Look around you. He says, Hey, you just imagine Jesus is sitting there. He's like, Hey, look at those birds over there, just doing their thing, flying around, having a good old day. Look at the lilies of the field. What's he doing? He is redirecting focus and attention. The brain is a powerful thing. If you do not control it, it will control you. It'll control you. And Jesus is saying, Redirect your focus. Look around you and see what I am doing. Look around and see the good hand of God in your life. Because Jesus knows that whatever we meditate on, that will be the direction of our life. In fact, there's a great quote by Craig Rochelle, and he says this, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Whatever your strongest thought is, that's where you're going to be heading. I'm going to use a simple illustration. There is a place many of you have never heard of yet, but I'm about to bring a gift to your life. It's a place called Blue Store Chicken. (laughs) I'm feeling revival breaking out, at least here in Highland. I hope it is at our other campuses. Blue Store Fried Chicken. You might be like, well, I don't like fried food. Well, you've never had Blue Store. My good friend Derek Foster introduced me to this wonderful companion now that I visit often. I will get Blue Store on my mind. I'm t- even right now, get a little hungry. I get Blue Store on my mind, and I will find that I'll start thinking about it throughout the week. I'm a, he- I'm a healthy eater. I eat healthy. But I will sometimes find myself thinking about this wonderful place. Some of you watch in foreign lands, and if you ever come here, you remember this place, Blue Store Chicken, and you will thank me either in this life or in heaven. But I will start thinking about that place, and, and before I know it, I will find my body in that place. I will be right there ordering a 25 piece and getting ready to experience such a gift from the Lord. And I just know that this is true, though. Whatever you focus on between your ears, your body will gravitate to. And I just think God wants us to look up a little bit, bring it back a little bit, get your head on swivel. If you gotta do a 360, do a 360 and start seeing the goodness of God in your life. Start saying, God, boy, you've given me another day. You are good. God, look at my friend over there. Oh, I love Billy. He's a good guy. Lord, thank you for Billy, and just start thanking him for what he's done in your life, what he's doing in your life. Start looking up a little bit. You say, man, I can't look up. My head's down. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my friends. I'm worried about blah, 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 everything you could possibly think of other than the sun. Just go ahead and understand that worry might be there, but you don't have to stare at it to death. This is not a staring competition. Look around you and recall the goodness of God. I was listening to a leadership podcast recently. This person's not even saved, to my knowledge. Not even saved. And they said every single day they wake up and for the first five minutes of their day, they spend time thinking and meditating on three things that they're thankful for. What are they doing? They're recalibrating their mind. Your mind has neurological pathways It's like an interstate, and some of us have trained our minds so much to go to that which is negative instead of that which is faith-filled, and God says, I want you to start looking around. Start declaring who I am, what I've done, what I'm doing, what I'm going to do. You say, man, I don't know about all this. Here's the thing. Just try it out a little bit and get around people who do this. Get around faith-filled people who talk life and speak hope and have expectation. If you're around people just mumbling and grumbling through the wilderness nonstop, then guess what you're going to do? Here we go again. No, get yourself around people who are going to speak life. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians. Is this helping anybody today? He says, finally. So he's concluding this thought. He says, finally, brothers and sisters. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You determine every day, create practices, exercises that train your mind to think differently and do it in the spirit. I feel so prompted right now just to tell you this. I didn't have this in my notes, but if it's thank God for psychology, I'm thankful. Thank God for those things. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for any way he sees fit, counseling, all that. But you got to hear from the Spirit of God about these things, because sometimes man's words, they might be true, but they'll fall to the ground. But God's word has a way of getting into the depths of your soul. As you say, Lord, I'm holding on. I believe in this. So meditate on these things. Pastor Mike, he's a fit dude. You know why? He works out. Y'all didn't know that, did you? He eats healthy. What does he do? He trains his body. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray God helps us to train our mind. Amen, everybody. I got to hustle. I'm having a good time, though. I hope you are. Second thing is this. What do we do? How do we overcome where? We're going to look around. We're going to look around. Second thing is this. We're going to look back. Jesus makes reference in verse 29 to Solomon. One of the most powerful practices you can do in your life when you come head to head, toe to toe with worry is to look back at what God has done in your past, his faithfulness to you, his goodness to you. And and this word right here is two ways primarily that we can do this. One is through Scripture look back. It is so important. I want you to lean into this. It's so important that we're reading God's word daily. This word is life to your soul. I feel the spirit of God right now so strong. He's speaking to some of you. He's encouraging you. This word has a way of renewing your mind, your mindset, your thinking. As a way of refreshing things, it's like a filter system that thoughts that you might have had that seem valid, that it might be in line with your feelings, but yet you have to stand on what this book says. And when you get this word in you, it will transform your life. When you read about who God is and what he's done in people's lives, how he created the heavens and the earth. And you look back and you testify about God's goodness in other people's lives and what he did on the cross, everybody. I mean, my goodness, that he died for you and he died for me. His love and his care is so great. Jesus even said it. You think I care about the birds more than you? No way. I care about you in every aspect of your life. He cares. So the first is through scripture. The second is through experiences. Testify of the goodness of God in your life. Pull back the receipts of your past. Every month, I sit down with my good friend, American Express, and I'll see what I owe and I think, that can't be right. And I'll start going through every transaction and I'll remember, yeah, I did buy this. Now I owe this. What is that? It's a system that keeps track of my spending. You and I need a system in place that keeps track of God's faithfulness in our past. If you don't record things down, it will be hard to recall things in the present. All of us need a system. In fact, I adopted something new this year. Many of you know I love to journal. I journal away. I love journaling. I have a faith box. I've talked about that before. I put things, I know it sounds funny just saying that casually. I got a faith box, weirdo. I put things in it and I'm like recalling what God's done. But I started something new this year on my phone because I always have my phone with me. Don't right now, but normally I do, so not always. I put on there, it just says 320. That's what it says 320. How many of you know what 320 is? And I put in there from December to this point, every single month, things that God does unexpectedly. Every month, and I have little bullet points. God did this today. God showed up in this way today. And what do I do? I go to that thing when I need a little faith, when I need a little courage, when I need a little build me up. What does the Bible say? Encourage yourself in the Lord. And I don't just look at it. Sometimes I'll say it out loud. Remember when God did this? I scare people around me. Remember when God did this? And what's it do? It strengthens my inner man. Recall what he's done. I went hiking years ago, Zion National Park. Anybody ever heard of it? Okay. A few of you, there is this hike there called angels landing. It is treacherous. I'm just so filled with courage. It was treacherous and and it goes up and you, you get to this place. that's 1500 feet high that you're overlooking this valley. They're going to show pictures of it here in in a second. And I went with my aunt and uncle who are just incredible people. They took me, this was years ago. And I went on this hike. That's it. Look at that. I mean, that makes you nervous just seeing it. I climbed that thing, and so I went up this thing. They got these chains, and like they would be like, hey, be careful today. We had one person slip and die last week. You're thinking, Lord, have mercy. He'll send his angels charge over to me. The company defended me all my ways. They will lift me up in their hands. At least I dash my foot against the stone, and you go up this thing, and the higher you get, the more terrifying it is, and I promise some people work with me, cameraman. Some people were on their hands and knees just crawling along. One person was on their face, just crawling along the ground. They were committed. I was, I was proud of them. And you get up to the top. Look at that. You look to your right, you look to your left, death, death. You look ahead, hope. I get up to the top, me and Uncle Bill. He's watching. I love you, Uncle Bill. We get up to the top. It's like, we did it. Was it awesome? Not really. But we made it. Why do I say this to you? Because now people are like, hey, you want to go on a hike? I'm like, sure, I like hikes. Like, oh, I don't know, man. This one's pretty scary, I think. <laughs> I've been on Angel's Landing, my friend. I don't say that out loud, but I think it to myself. And what am I doing? I'm recalling something that I was able to conquer in my past. And what might be terrifying, if it was your first time, but when you've done something in the past, you've built competency, you build courage, you build strength. And I've just come to tell you, God's done things in your past that you've forgotten about. Sorry, I got a little loud there, but I'm excited about it. And some of us need to pull back things that God has done in our past because you're faced with a current challenge and a frustration or worry, anxiety, and your heart's beating out of control. And You're thinking, I don't know if I can make this. Just remember, he was faithful yesterday, that he will be faithful today, and he will be faithful tomorrow. Come on, give him praise if you believe it in here. I'm telling you. I climbed Angel's Landing. What you got? (laughs) Pastor Mike's terrified of heights. It's the funniest thing ever. (laughs) We'll be on this little hill, and he'll be like. He doesn't even talk. He doesn't even say a word. He can't. He's just like. And I'm thinking, man, this is nothing. God's brought some of you through things that I've never been through before in my life. Some of you walk through all types of valleys and hardships that maybe the person on the right and left, they cannot relate to you, but I'm telling you, God saw you through that. He is seeing you right now, and he'll use even the difficult things that you walk through to bring faith into your today. I, I'm, I'm laying in the plane. I'm done. I'm about done. Not quite yet. Last thing is this. We're going to look around. Man, worry he hits this, I'm going to look around. I'm going to look back, and finally... I'm going to look to, I'm going to look to verse 31 says this. So don't worry about these things saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? These things dominate the hearts and thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Oh man. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 33. But for you and for me, seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Live for him and he will give you everything. Somebody say everything. Come on, shout everything. He will give you everything you need. When worry hits me, when it hits you, what does Jesus say? He said, lift your head up. I know it's real. I know your emotions are engaged in it. I know it can keep you awake at night. I know it can cause anxiety and all these things. But he says, I want you to lift your head up. I want you to look around at my goodness. I want you to look around the fact that I'm in control, that I'm sovereign, that I've got you in the palm of my head. I I want you to look back. He speaks of Solomon. I want you to look back and recall my faithfulness from your past. Scripture and experiences, and finally, he says, really, the most important thing is you've got to look too. Say, hey David, who, who am I looking to? You're looking to Jesus. You're looking to the one who has overcome all things. And if he overcame death, hell, and the grave. I just think he might be able to help me overcome worry. I think he might just have enough power left. I'm being facetious to give me the strength to overcome worry. But what do I have to do? I got to keep my eyes on him. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God, not second, not third, not fifth, not tenth, not twentieth, not last. Seek first. Money cannot do this. Alcohol cannot fix this. Any type of substance abuse or any type of sexual activity, it cannot fix worry. There's only one solution, there's only one go-to, there's only one remedy, there's only one hope, and it's Jesus. And what we have to do is this, we have to give him our worries. First Peter says, give all your worries and cares to God for He cares for you. And we're not giving it to him like a boomerang. (sniffs) Taking it back. We're throwing it like a football. Like Joe Burrow, everybody. We're throwing it to him. And we're keeping our eyes fixed on him. There's some marriages in this room you're Crippled with worry right now. The solution is to look to Jesus. Not once, not twice, but every day. Some of you, you're in a financial dilemma right now, and it's real. At our campuses, you're facing something that you don't know how it's going to play out, and worry is gripping your soul. Look to Jesus. I'll end with this. Years back, I was having a hard time. Every day I had this worry on my heart and my mind. Every day. And it was one of those things that it was just gripping me. I remember coming up here to church on a Saturday. And I came right over to this spot right here. No one else in the building. and I can remember that day I just said, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I don't know what else to do. My mind's not fixing it. People can't fix it. I can't work hard enough to fix it. But Lord, I know in your hands, you can turn. Something that is broken and you could bring healing. I remember that day just praying right over there, tears coming down from my face and saying these words, Jesus, I surrender this to you. And I'm telling you right now, there's people in this room. I know it. I can feel it in my spirit at all of our campuses as well. He's saying, give it to me. Surrender it to me. Whatever it is. And here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. You might have to surrender today and surrender it again tomorrow and surrender it again the next day and the day after that and the month after that and the year after that. But when you wake up in the morning and it hits you or you go throughout your day and it hits you, you say, God, I'm giving it to you. And hear me. His peace